Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. This week, we're going to be continuing a conversation about how do we stand in the gospel at this Christmas time season. And today we're going to be talking about how do I stand in the gospel with my expectations? How do I allow Jesus to coat over all the things I think or expect should be part of this season? I wanted to start by telling you a story about a certain Christmas that we had at our house. I had just had baby number six. He was born in late September. And so this was probably right around Thanksgiving because that's when I like to get my tree. And I was working on putting all the last ornaments on this carefully planned tree. I had all the other five kids playing at the kitchen table. They were working on a Christmas craft. And for those of you who really know me or have been here a while, you know that if I have given the gift of glitter and glue to my children, I'm really feeling in the Christmas spirit. (laughs) So that's what I had done. And the baby was bouncing in a little, you know, thing that lets the baby be happy while I was doing the tree as I was going up and down on the ladder around the tree. And he was sitting right in front of the Christmas lights, just looking at all the lights and being just, you know, maybe a little bit fretful, I think, if I remember correctly. But a party was planned for later that week. Um, I love having parties and people at my house. And so I had all these plans for what I wanted the tree to look like and what I wanted my house to look like. And I knew I wanted my children to be learning special truths in this season. So even though I was busy with a newborn, I was determined that we were going to have and experience a great Advent season And honestly, I was working on like the biggest tree we had ever purchased. It was beautiful. You know, like this year around where we live, I have not found a tree that tall. But that year I was lucky enough to find truly a 10 foot tree. And we had big ceilings in our living room at that time. And so I was so just in my element, just super excited about all the things. And I scooped up the 10 week old to take him to his room to lay down for a nap. And I circled through the kitchen to make sure everyone was happy and everybody's behaving and doing what they were supposed to be doing and learning. And I think I even asked them to tell me what they were, why they were doing it. And they were able to, you know, recite to me what was going on. And so I went into the baby's room to feed him and settle him in for a nap. And as I sat down in the rocking chair, I heard the loudest crash, shatter, tinkling, shattering, horrible sound, followed by choruses of screaming and yelling, mama. 
And of course, I mean, what do you do? I mean, the minute all that sound started happening, I mean, I am jerking that poor little nursing baby up and we are running into the other room to see what had happened. And y'all, my whole tree lay across the living room floor, ornaments shattered everywhere. I mean, there was glass everywhere on the floor and all my barefoot children were kind of dancing around and you know, screeching and panicking. And I just stood there and I quickly pushed all the kids back into the kitchen and, and got them away from, you know, what I feared was, you know, horrible broken glass everywhere. And I said, listen, I'm going to be right back. And I just need y'all to finish your craft. Just sit quietly. It's going to be okay. I just need to put the baby down and then I will deal with all the things. So I was still, I was still on it. I had my game face on and then I went and sat down with Matthew and finished getting him ready for bed, kind of trying to come up with a plan for how I was going to clean this up and just praying, just asking God for it not to be as bad as it seemed. And as I put him down, all of a sudden erupting from the kitchen were just these loud shouts and laughter and noises. And y'all, for moms who have experienced this before, it was like you knew these noises that they were having a lot of fun, but that it wasn't a good idea. Whatever was happening was probably not going to be a good idea. It's just like you sometimes you just know the kind of sounds that you hear and you know, while it sounds fun, it's really like a hot, crazy mess happening in there. And I walked around the tree mess to see my kids throwing across all of the kitchen. One was standing on the kitchen counter. One was on a kitchen chair. One was under the kitchen table and they're throwing paper that they've gotten wet and glitter and decorations around. One child was crying. I think they were probably offended, but the rest seemed to be having a great time. And my emotions unraveled. I could no longer keep a tight rein on what I was trying to keep a tight rein on. And I began shrieking and yelling and commanding everybody to stop. I was scolding. I began crying. And my five kids, I just remembered my five little children's faces looking at me like I had three heads and, you know, I had totally scared them. I just lost my mind. I walked back into the living room then to begin cleaning up the dam and seeing the damage and cleaning it up. And y'all, every, every treasured ornament was shattered. Every memory gathered from different cities, from different friends, different moments, gone. Everything was shattered. It seemed that somehow in that moment that I stood there, what was whispered to me was you have lost all that you longed for this Christmas season. It's just wrecked. Your kids are wrecked. They can't even do a project. Your tree is wrecked. You didn't put it up right or you didn't have it hung right or somehow you weighted it wrong. The All your memories are gone. And therefore, all your joy should just be gone. You see, in that moment, I was longing for moments. 
Like I was longing to create moments. And in my mind, I thought I was, that that was great. And I should be doing that. But what I didn't understand about the gospel then was that I was standing in the holy of that moment. And it was beautiful, even in a chaotic, wrecked scene. There was holiness. See, I was working for perfect. Man, I wanted it to be perfect. I was having a party. I just wanted it just to be lovely for everybody. And what I think God was beginning to give me the invitation was, Bethany, in this year, we're going to learn peace. Not not perfect. We're going to learn peace. And he began to say, Bethany, you're seeking an ideal. You have an image in your head of what Christmas should look like what it should be like, what will be best. And I want you to understand and know the joy of what is real about this season of my son. And truthfully, Bethany, you're hoping for happiness in an event. In an event. And I really want you to find your contentment in me. And I'm willing to allow you to walk through this And fail miserably today in it. Because I knew when I was standing there in all the glass, I had just wrecked the hearts of all my children in the kitchen. And they were now afraid to come into the living room with me because I had been such beast mode mom in the kitchen. And he was inviting me and saying, Bethany, I want you to understand contentment is found in me. It's not found in the event that you create. You see, I so easily can miss him and the truth the gospel holds for me. And I don't know if maybe you struggle with this too. So today, this is what we're going to work through our own hearts, because until our own hearts are really set firm in the gospel, it's going to be super hard to talk to our kids about how Jesus is the light of the world if he's really not shining out of us. It's hard to share with our kids. He is the living water that will burst out of you if he's not bursting out of us. In coming weeks, I'm going to change this podcast and I'm going to give you for you to listen to that last week of Christmas, little snippets every day about a different name of Jesus. Because as I've been on, this is the year God said to me, let's learn about who I am and let's anchor in who I am, Bethany, because the gospel holds it all. And it's not about trees and it's not about Advent and it's not about ornaments and it's not about, it's not about any of those things. It's about you hiding your heart in me and moving from a place that finds contentment in me, that knows peace, that understands joy and stands in holiness. And that's my invitation to you, Bethany. So I think that for some of you, maybe it's the same. I don't know. Today, full disclosure, as I record this, my tree has already been an issue this year too. I've learned that I will often have tree issues on the years when I am worshiping the Advent instead of the King of the Advent. You see, this year I couldn't find my stand, so I had to stick my tree in a mop bucket. I thought that was funny. So if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that. (laughs) 
Um, because I thought, oh, I can make everything right. All I have to do is either find the sand or go get a new one. This is simple fix. But then I put twinkling warm yellow lights. They're the kind I like on the tree. I had purchased the perfect amount for this tree only to string my tree wrong with lights and basically make a third of the lights burn out because I'd strung too many together and truly could have probably started a fire or something. But of course now I can't buy any more of the lights. They're gone. So I'm having to re realign, refigure what I'm going to do. Uh, another tree I have doesn't, doesn't have enough lights on it. They're not lighting up. You know, those, you know, when fake trees, all of a sudden their lights don't light up anymore and you have to restring a fake tree. That's always a bummer. Hmm. This year's beginning to mess up. That's what's been going on in my head in the last day or and a half. This year's beginning to be uh, not good. And again, it's because I am worshiping the advent instead of the king of the advent. And so right now I have a beautiful hearted friend helping me problem solve lights, speaking truth about keeping my eyes on what is most important. But when my heart bows before events or ideal pictures of beauty or about perfect behavior from my kids, instead of bowing before the one who came to save and redeem me from all of this, I am worshiping at the idol of outcome. That's just, like a terminology I've made up in, in my own spiritual walk, but it is so true of me and my heart can be snared by the idol of outcome faster than anything else. And I wonder if maybe you too struggle with worshiping the outcome instead of the one who holds it all together. You see, it's easy for me in most areas of my motherhood to worship at the idol of outcome, but it is clearly highlighted for me at Christmas time. So returning to the truth of the gospel is imperative. And so the, for the rest of the time, we're going to do a little work in our word. Because I'm more than anything here at this time of year, I want you to be so clear about who you worship. That you worship the King of Kings because he gives you peace because he gives you assurance, because he never measures you or compares you to anyone else. And he calls you instead his treasured possession, most dearly loved, the one he came to rescue, to be his bride. That is what this season is about. But when my heart worships the idol of outcome, I spend a lot of time bowing down in the wrong places. So what does the gospel actually say? What does it actually mean to say God is enough, even if my tree is completely smashed to smithereens, or perhaps there's a lot more messy in my life. Things are not working out the way I had envisioned. My heart is hurting. I feel like a failure. And it's not a tree you may be saying that, Bethany, it's not a tree that's smashed to smithereens in my life. But what I want you to understand is that I think that Jesus meets us exactly in that space. You see, God is not confused that we have a tendency to worship outcome. It, he doesn't, he's not surprised by that. He's not disgusted by it either. I want you to understand that. He calls us to a different worship, but he is not, he is inviting us 
to begin to understand his perspective. But so often what happens for me in motherhood, no matter what season, is that I want to ensure that my children walk with God. I want them to be happy or successful. I want to make sure that when tomorrow comes, everything is going well. But often what I do then is I'm hunting for the method that will assure me, that will promise me that outcome. And if it doesn't, then what I begin to do is I fault myself. So then I look around to see what, what, what can I do to get a better result? What can I fix? How can I improve? But you know what? God is so much more engaged and committed to all that is going on with you and with me. He is faithful. He is pursuing and he is patient. But his sovereignty is above all. He knows exactly what is going on. And he is offering not just his presence. He promises to be your comforter. He promises to be your friend. He promises to be your faithful companion. So let's look at what he says. Let's get in the word for the next little bit. Because you think I think that maybe some people would even defend this idol of being successful or being um, having things work out well. Because they would say that, well, if you don't consider the outcome, how can you ever make progress? And what I want to help you understand before we quickly jump into the gospel is that an idol is an idol because of the place it occupies in my heart, not because of what it is. So when outcome occupies a place of power in my heart where my thinking is realigned and I'm not submitted to God's plan first... Instead, my thinking is aligned to concern only with the outcome. Then I am bowing down before a powerless God. Outcome can never make me happy because the outcome will always shift and change. I mean, you and I both know that we could be humming along with the child one day and the next child, the next day the child wakes up and it's a completely different story and you didn't see it coming. So outcome always changes. And while we should consider outcome, when outcome occupies a place of of power in my heart, I'm worshiping it. But God too has an outcome barometer. Did you know that? His outcome though is eternally measured. You see, he is working for an outcome. Absolutely every single day at work for an outcome, an outcome that is determined, promised, assured, and we can rest our hearts in it. But it is full of ripples and twists and turns that you and I probably don't see as important or impactful. And yet in God's outcome barometer in his plan, they are important moments of time. But he calls you and me to trust him. Psalm 125, 1 says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. You see, God is at work and he is inviting you and I to trust him, to become immovable in, a tr- in the knowledge that God is trustworthy and that these moments as life altering as some of them may feel. And I, I, mind you, I know A shattered Christmas tree is not life-altering, but there's a lot of space around Christmas that feels very painful and life-altering. 
And my invitation is when we begin to hide in the gospel, instead of putting all of our faith in an outcome, then our, we are like Mount Zion and our hearts cannot be rocked by what happens in the moments. And instead, our eyes can shift so that we can keep them solely focused on who God is and what he's doing. So how is an idol taken down and destroyed? If maybe some of you are like me and you're like, oh man, I think I worship this idol. Well, then we need to know how to take it down and destroy it. Because if not, we keep returning to it. We keep worshiping at it. We keep acknowledging its presence in our life. And we are called to take these things captive and to destroy them. That is what being a warrior in scripture is all about. And so by the, we take it down by the truth of the gospel. We don't need to be enslaved to outcome because we know the one who determines the outcome for all eternity. So in moments of making my outcome equate with my value or my worth, I actually need to remember the gospel and remember my true value. That is the first thing because most of outcome worship is all about my value, my worth as a mom. My worth in this Christmas season is linked to the outcome I'm expecting. And so I need to know my value in God's eyes. So let's get started. Let's look at what the word says. The first thing that the word says is that you are God's child over and over in scripture, but we're going to claim one today. And that's Romans 8, 16 and 17. He says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In fact, up further in that passage, if you want to kind of sit in that passage for a while, it also says that you have received the spirit of adoption by whom you can cry, Abba, Father. And the implication of that Abba, Father is calling calling him your daddy. The cry of a young child in desperate need who knows his daddy loves him or her. Number two, he has made you and he has made me a new creation. So for that one, we're going over here to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You are not who you once were. Do not let the enemy tell you you are. Number three, you are freed from the slavery to sin and to death. So what is important about that? Well, the minute I screamed at my kids in the kitchen, all I heard in the back of my head is, you are just the worst. You're the worst. You could lose your mind on your kids. They're all freaked out in the kitchen because you can't hold it together because your tree is shattered and they're throwing glitter around. And I immediately started cycling through that my value, my worth is based on my behavior. What I need to understand is I've been freed from slavery to sin and death, which means when I sin, I can repent. I can receive forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit is committed to helping me walk and to change and be made new. Romans 6, 6 through 7 and verse 11. That's where we are for this. It says this. It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin, all of that junk, might be brought to nothing, so that we are no longer enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Drop to verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So the process of that, 
of repentance, of forgiveness, of seeking him again, has nothing to do with a conversation of shame and condemnation. And yet, the lie of outcome says shame and condemnation because you are not the mom you're supposed to be. Next, next truth. He is faithful. He will continue to change me into his image. You see right there, so I have sinned again. I was just horrible in the kitchen with my kids. And then I hear, well, I mean, he gets sick of you doing the same thing over and over again. No, 2 Corinthians 3.18. There's there's your promise for this. It says this. It says, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, from the, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Y'all, this verse to me is so phenomenal because God is faithful to continue changing you and me into his image. And look at that little phrase, from one degree to another. Do you sometimes believe that God expects you to do a complete 180 and if you can't get it together and if you can't get it right, he is just like, ugh, whatever, I'm sick of you. Because I know I have struggled with that over the years. But in this, this verse kills that lie from the enemy for me. Because it says here, no, he is faithful and he is at work one degree at a time, working on me, working on my character, working on my mothering, helping me. So the shift of thinking in that moment then needs to become, so I've realized, wait, I'm his child. I'm a new creation. He's freed me from sin and death. And he's at work in me and changing me. He's bringing me to repentance faster. He is making me stop yelling quicker to my kids. He is helping me be humble quicker to them and go back to them and go, I have been wrong. What I said was wrong. Second Corinthians 10, four through five gives me the next hope that his divine power will help destroy a stronghold that declares that my value is linked to my work. It is his divine power that will help you begin to stop believing that outcome is what it's all about. And then to know Romans 8, 38 and 39 is the last one where we're going to end up today. My friend, if you can understand one thing about the God who loves you, who created you, who has sent his son to die for you, and that's what Christmas is all about. You are completely secure in his love. It says, I am sure that neither death nor life, and we can change this, and neither broken trees and yelling at my kids, wreckage and mess-ups, neither things present nor things to come, powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing will be able to separate you for the love of God. And I think it makes me weep because I sit with so many of you and the enemy is convincing you that your outcomes and the way that you are, and he did this to me for years and years can separate you from God's love. And I'm telling you, you need to stand on Romans 8, 38, and 39. Nothing, nothing will separate you. Nothing. I want you to know more than anything else that you can worship him in fullness and your expectations are met with him in this season. I pray that you will rest your heart and your mind as you sit in front of trees 
and you rock your babies and you open presents. But keep in mind and remember, He invites you to rest and to trust Him and to stand in the promise of His gospel for this season. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.